0: Hello and welcome to NC State's Audio Abstract. I'm your host, Tracy Peek. Sneakerheads love their sneakers, buying, trading, and collecting. Sneakerhead culture isn't new. It's been around since the 1970s and is still going strong. Delisha Matthews is an assistant professor of textile brand management and marketing at NC State's Wilson College of Textiles. She's interested not only in which trends sneakerheads follow, but why. Kiana Cryer-Coupé is an assistant professor of social work at NC State, who focuses on the community aspect of sneakerhead culture. We're speaking with them today to learn a little bit more about the sneakerhead community, what it means to be a sneakerhead, and what manufacturers are doing to woo them. So welcome, Delicia and Kiana.
1: Thank you. I
0: am so glad you guys are here. This first question is for Delicia. Can we start with the basics? Um, Can we trace the history of this community and what
1: makes someone a sneakerhead? Sure. Um, So I definitely don't claim to be a sneaker historian, um, but I know that we can definitely pinpoint um, the late 70s in terms of when we started to see the culture come into place. And that's mainly because Um, you know, this whole sneaker culture has its roots in hip hop. Um, And so, you know, we think about what was going on in like the late 70s with the hip hop culture. Um, Yes, it was definitely about, you know, um, verses and rhymes, but it was also about what people in that culture were wearing. And so a lot of that was driven by, you know, the sneakers they wore. Um, back then, it was more, you know, people who were doing break dancing or rhyming. And so maybe Converse and Puma might have been something that they were really chimed into. Um, but then we also see hip hop culture having an impact in an even more um, prominent way with um, groups like Run DMC. They even had a song called My Adidas, where they talked about their show to Adidas. Um, And so, again, it was about, you know, what they were wearing and how they were able to kind of exhibit that swag through their sneakers. And then the latter part of this whole sneaker culture definitely came uh, with the basketball culture and, of course, Michael Jordan. Um, And so, you know, Jordans and what that represented um, for, you know, the the basketball culture, his whole performance and, you know, this whole notion that it's got to be the shoes that were driving his um, athleticism, that's when we started to see sneaker heads really, really become um, a huge, um, you know, part of the, the revolution of the, the sneaker head culture. Um, and so since it was all about the shoes, everybody had to have the shoes, specifically Jordans.
0: I remember that. It's taking me back to high school quite a bit. I remember my Adidas <laughs> yeah. by Run-DMC. I'm
1: revealing my age here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, And then to answer your other question about what is a sneakerhead, I mean, basically it's an individual who lives and breathes sneakers. Um, They know everything there is to know about the history of of the sneakers, um, when certain collections drop, various colorways. um, I mean, they just really know everything there is to know about sneakers. And they're very connected to all the different apps and um, communities that, you know, constantly pump out information about those sneaker drops and how to access them.
0: So it's, it's a lot like any other sort of hardcore fan community. Basically, uh, is that what we're getting at here?
1: I would say so, but beyond the the fan aspect, I would say it's also um, kind of rooted in, in their identity as well, you know, so um, what they choose to wear and You know what what they're fans of are are part of who they are and how they express themselves in their identity as well that's interesting
0: you know it's like any other choices that we make to show other people who we are right only they're doing it specifically through footwear
1: absolutely okay
0: kiana um this one's for you it seems that being a sneakerhead goes beyond just looking good it is an important source of identity for community members. So can we talk a little bit more, you know, Delisha sort of led into this about what that identity is?
2: Yes, kind of thinking about how we came together to collaborate. I teach in the School of Social Work and um, we have a course that looks at human behavior in the social environment. When Delisha brought the idea of kind of exploring sneakerheads to me, um, we began to kind of talk through this idea of social identity theory. So how we fit this in the academic space for us to be able to better understand it, but then also kind of translate those findings more broadly. When we look at that social identity theory, there are three components. The first piece of that is social categorization. When you are thinking about this idea of, you know, footwear and what that means to your own personal identity, oftentimes folks put people into boxes, kind of categorizing where do you fit? Is there a generational divide? So we know kind of thinking about those who grew up in the 70s and early 80s, um, the ways in which they identify with sneaker culture differ somewhat from those um, who would identify as a millennial or um, kind of thinking about folks in Gen Y. Um, And so we have this idea of kind of categorizing, where do you fit um, in terms of that overall identity? Um, The next phase of kind of thinking about social identity theory is thinking through social comparison. So um, we've heard some terms kind of thrown around in our own research, this idea of thinking about those who are sneakerheads versus those who would identify as a a hype beast. Um, We have those who might just identify as collectors. Um, So there's this comparison that, that goes on after you've categorized where a person might fit. And then lastly, um, your actual social identity. Where do you fit into this overall schema? Um, As we did the interviews for um, our Sneakerhead research study, um, there were two components. One that really only um, interviewed Uh, those who identify as sneakerhead. And so we had those who were collectors, those who were buyers, those who were sellers. Um, And then we had a subcategory of those who were fathers. So um, in terms of kind of thinking about um, how men might utilize their identity as a sneakerhead to bond with their children, you know, it was interesting to see that we had some who were identified as sneakerheads. They were brought into the culture by their children and not necessarily um, introducing the culture to their children. Um, So I think there are many different aspects to think about um, how belonging to this community plays on an individual's identity and then how they're able to share that identity um, with friends and family.
0: That's interesting. And you mentioned, you know, that you were noting sort of general Excuse me, generational differences in the ways that folks who identify as sneakerheads, I guess, interacted or thought of themselves as sneakerheads. Can, can you talk about some of the generational differences in sneakerheads? Is it a difference in preference, um, a difference in brand, or a difference in what it means to them to be
2: a part of the community? I would say something that was most interesting to me was difference in access. And so when we think about those who were part of the earlier generations, um, the ways in which they were able to access sneakers were more limited than what we see now. So we know that the apps did not exist in the same ways um, in terms of kind of thinking through some of the um, celebrity collaborations, the number of colorways that were available. this idea of kind of thinking about exclusivity seemed to be um, something that was stronger um, for earlier generations than we might see um, with current generations. Um, and Delisha, Delisa, would you agree in terms of the kind of thinking?
1: I would definitely agree with that. And I think some other ways that we saw the, um, the uh, whole differences in generation um, show up was among the, I guess, types of sneakers that they were interested in. Um, So we definitely saw, you know, from like the older sneakerheads, they were interested in kind of the historical aspect of it. So, you know, the Jordans, the, you know, retro Jordans that were maybe out when they were younger, but they weren't able to, um, you know, afford them then, you know, parents wouldn't buy them uh, for them. And then the younger sneakerheads, it seems as though they're more interested in the more recent celebrity collaborations. So you know, the uh, collaborations that Adidas has had with Kanye West or um, Travis Scott and his collaboration with um, with Nike. So definitely more um, a, like a difference in generations in terms of their preferences as well.
0: And let me just get some definitions out there for um, folks or delve a little further into some of the terms that we're using when we talk about colorways. What does that mean? What is a colorway? Is that just the color pattern on the sneaker? Are there particular ones for each brand?
1: Yeah, there's so much lingo out there. I think Kiana and I, um, yeah, we, we probably could put a whole sneaker dictionary <laughs> together. <laughs> but, um, but yes, colorways, it has to do with all the different colors that are um, represented on the sneakers. And so what happens is, say if we take like a, a Jordan 1, there's an original colorway that it came out with, you know, it's that black, red, and and white. Well, what they do is they take those sneakers, those retros, and then apply different colors that maybe weren't a part of the original sneaker. Um, And so the different colors that are represented, they deem those the colorways.
0: And you also have both mentioned that they use apps to find I guess when the the latest sneaker that they want is going to drop and what store it's going to be at, is that how that's used?
1: Uh, Yeah, it could be stores or it could be um, just accessing them online as well. And there are so many different apps. Um, StockX is is one, Um, the Goat app is one. Um, There's so many different apps. And then of course they have ways that they communicate within their communities as well. So even local, um, sneaker stores might have apps or use their social media in a way that, you know, kind of gets the word out about what next, um, shoe drop there's going to be.
0: Delisha, you know, these sneakers are not cheap, so is the price driven by scarcity, um, or are there other factors, and if you are a marketer, uh, a sneaker manufacturer, what is the secret sauce that makes a particular pair of sneakers a must-have?
1: Yeah, so, um, I definitely think scarcity is a huge part of it. You know, that's um, that's what what gets people, you know, back in the day waiting in line, you know, for, for hours to get that particular shoe because they're not going to make a lot of them. But I think beyond that, it's kind of the uniqueness of it, you know. So there's been a lot of collaborations lately where we've got, um, as I mentioned, different music artists, celebrities, but then also artists. Um, that are kind of adding their own unique spin and so naturally when they've got collaborations like that they're only going to make a few of those and so yeah that scarcity piece comes into play but it's also kind of that uniqueness um, piece of it as well Um, and um, I think it's word of mouth too you know within the community and you know people get to talking about it there's quite a bit of buzz around it Um, and so I feel like all those things make it kind of the secret sauce as you say.
0: Okay. Are these shoes
1: primarily or always basketball shoes? Well, um, in our research, we heard about predominantly the basketball shoes that were getting the most attention. Uh, However, there was one shoe that was um, a running shoe that a lot of the sneakerheads talked about, which is the Adidas Ultra Boost. And um, that was a shoe that was getting uh, a little bit more attention. But I would still say predominantly it's, it's the basketball shoes.
0: What about all the, um, you know, the newer trends and being able to customize your own shoe online, Designer customize your own shoe online? Is that something that would be interesting um, to a sneakerhead or are they more about, you know, getting something from the official collection?
1: I think that that customization piece uh, is something of interest, um, but probably in a a different way. We actually did speak with um, a local sneaker retailer uh sir castle tees that's actually not too far from nc state and that's basically the foundation of his business so he takes you know maybe a a jordan one or you know any type of sneaker even converse van shoes are very popular with his customer base um and he'll customize them in kind of innovative ways. uh ways so he had um sneakers that um had a uh type of paint where if it gets wet, it kind of changes to a different color. Um, you know, so things of that sort, I think would be interesting to have for some of the sneakerheads. but I'd say predominantly the culture is about getting those kind of retro, already established type of shoes that aren't really customized. And. We attended two sneaker um, conventions,
2: one in Washington, DC, and one in Durham. Um, and in terms of kind of thinking about the ways in which folks acculturate children into the sneakerhead culture, they're now coloring books. Um, Nike has one, or one that includes like the Nike collection and one that includes um, an Adidas collection. Um, and it helps smaller children to identify which shoe is what, when it was initially released. Um, and it gives them the option to customize the shoes um, because it's a coloring book. And so I think that that's something pretty cool in terms of kind of thinking about passing on um, and this idea of customization. That is really cool. When I was a kid, we just had dinosaur coloring books,
0: but I could. (laughs) (laughs) But it's the same idea, right? You know, every single thing there is to know because children are sponges for that stuff. That's really amazing. Um, And I'm really starting to feel like my footwear is boring, but let's continue. (laughs) (laughs) So you had mentioned um, hype beasts. And I'm a little curious like, are these like, the sneakerhead nemesis? Are they just two different groups of folks who pursue um, collecting these these shoes for different reasons? Could you tell me a little bit more about you know what the difference is between a sneakerhead and a hype beast?
1: So this was something that I would say was um, really surprising for me because it was almost like hype beasts um, when sneakerheads um, talked about it. It was almost like a a derogatory term to be called a a hype beast. And so when you think about sneakerheads versus hype beasts, it's kind of the them versus us. Uh, So hype beasts are individuals who, you know, they're all about the trends when it it comes to sneakers, but they're usually interested in the trends or what's hype because most likely they're going to buy that particular trendy sneaker and then try to resell it and resell it at a much higher price. And so uh, the sneakerheads typically have issue with that because one, they're trying to, you know, get those sneakers for their own collection, not for resale purposes. Um, and then also, there was this notion when we talked uh, to them that uh, hype beasts don't even really know the history behind the sneakers. Uh, and so for that, it was kind of a a sore topic when you when you think about uh, sneakerheads and their relation to hype beasts. So I don't know if I would use the word nemesis, but I would definitely say there is a sore spot um, in the hearts and minds of true sneakerheads when they think about beasts.
0: That's interesting. Um, and finally, this question is for both of you. What is the most interesting finding you guys came across while you were doing this work?
2: So I would say, um, Part of my interest in this work really was around thinking about um, the social relationships that develop as a result of being part of the culture, and so when we began to talk to folks about like, well, who do you you know share in this culture with? We heard a lot of people say, or as we think about on the survey, people talk about you know friends and siblings, but the emergence of this idea of sharing it with your children was surprising—not surprising, but really interesting to me in terms of kind of thinking through that and so when we did some additional qualitative interviews with um, sneakerheads who were fathers um, this idea of kind of thinking about freedom of expression particularly for black fathers Um, we know that as we think about the ways in which black men move about the world there are many ways in which they're oppressed and you don't necessarily have that freedom of expression and so to be able to utilize footwear as a way of saying to your daughters and saying to your sons like this will allow you to to, to stand out. This is something that, you know, belongs to you. Um, we also had fathers in that category who talked about the importance of kind of thinking through entrepreneurship, using sneakerhead culture as a way of teaching their children um, the value of money, value of the dollar, um, and how they might be able to um, utilize their knowledge of the sneaker community um, to enhance their own personal um, finances it was very interesting to me.
0: Alicia, what was... Um... What was the thing that stood out the most to you?
1: I think it was one uh, particular phrase that I found very interesting from one of our participants, and uh, he was talking about being, you know, in the um, space with fellow sneakerheads, and um, the phrase that he used was that when he enters the room, he doesn't make eye contact, but he makes shoe contact. In other words, you know, he's walking in the room and looking first at people's shoes in order to see, you know, um, if they are sneaker heads like him, um, what preferences they have, you know, how they match their shoes with their gear, you know, exhibit their their identity through shoes. Um, but instead of making eye contact, he makes shoe contact. So I thought that was very interesting.
0: That is very interesting. This has all been very interesting. It's amazing to me um, what footwear can do in terms of giving a community uh, a means of self-expression, a way to connect with other people, um, economic, you know, mobility even. I thank you very much, both of you, for being here today. This has been a lot of fun learning about sneakerheads. And again, my footwear is very boring. <laughs> We've been speaking today with Delisha Matthews, an Assistant Professor of Textile Brand Management and Marketing at NC State's Wilson College of Textiles, and Kiana crier coupe an Assistant Professor of Social Work at NC State. This has been Audio Abstract. I'm your host, Tracy Peek. Thank you so much for listening.